One of the background information pieces that I think a lot of students miss is social roles and community roles. Mm -hmm. You can have a friendship. You can give somebody a gift. Students hear about a party and mm -hmm. sometimes find out that they find out that they end up at a party, <laughs> but they don't really know like, well, how did this even come about? From the Outreach Department at the Texas School for the Blind and Visually Impaired in Austin, Texas, this is A Sense of Texas. Here is your host, Emily Coleman. Welcome to A Sense of Texas. I'm Emily Coleman. The vision of TSBVI states that all students in Texas who are blind or visually impaired, including those with deaf blindness and additional disabilities, will have high quality educational opportunities to develop the skills, knowledge, and character to lead productive and fulfilling lives. David Wiley from TSBVI Outreach is helping us frame conversations for all students to ensure their futures will be fulfilling and productive. David's helped many children discover career and work opportunities, and he's going to share how, followed by a student who is deafblind, currently planning her next step. Thirty years ago, there was some sort of sense that all transition planning was about was finding somebody some kind of placement. At that point in time in history, most support services were tied to a place. And that has uh, fortunately changed and the systems are much more flexible now and people can get support in a, a variety of different locations in their own homes mm -hmm. and other community settings. That's been a, a, you know, a pleasant change in the mm -hmm. system over the course of that time. But uh, my knowledge of transition planning really comes from getting out there and working together with agencies and finding out firsthand the things that they do and the kind of support that they provide. But also, and I think probably most importantly, getting involved in family organizations mm -hmm. and adult consumer organizations, finding out about people who have graduated from school and what they do in their life and finding out their, their real life stories because I think that's what allows you to speak with some confidence and authority about post-school life is if you actually know people who are living it right. and know what their stories are and find out what was important for them in mm -hmm. school, what's important for them now, what things work and what things don't. And I, and I think if you don't do that, you don't have an opportunity to really evaluate whether or not what you do in transition planning is working or not. You probably get asked all the time, like, tell us how this has worked successfully. Because I know people have a hard time really imagining for our most complicated kids what that next step could look like. Unless you know some actual people who have accomplished the things that they've accomplished, transition planning is more of kind of just a theoretical mm -hmm. construct, you know, mm -hmm. and, and so uh, uh, it's important to, to really be able to do that. I, I try not to advise people in any ways if I don't have a, an actual story to yeah. fill it in with yeah. of uh, this, this is what worked for this person. In the school system, from the transition planning that I've seen within IEPs, it's pretty minimal. I think it's hard to work with within the scope of what uh, we're mandated to do, you kind of have to go beyond that. So what do you think are the most important things to consider when families gear up for their children aging out of the school system? The um, number one thing that is important for families to keep in mind is that they need to be able to envision 
what their children are going to do after graduation. They need to have some sort of sense of what would make sense for them. Mm -hmm. Families are, to a certain extent, lulled into this wait-and-see attitude by the entitlement nature of uh, public mm -hmm. education. Mm -hmm. And so there's a, an annual meeting and a bunch of people, an entire team of people all come in with all of their ideas and say, this is what you need to do now and this is what you need to do now, etc. I think it becomes a shock for families when schooling ends and mm -hmm. there isn't that group yeah. of people anymore. There aren't yeah. a bunch of people with a bunch of opinions and ideas <laughs> about what yeah. it is you should be doing. And I think that that catches them by surprise to a certain extent. And to be able to utilize systems and to be able to make things happen, mm -hmm. you've got to have an actual yeah. plan. You know, like yeah. when my son or daughter is no longer in school, they're currently spending seven, eight hours a day right. involved in school activities. Mm -hmm. After this date, yeah. they're going to have to do something else during that time. Mm -hmm. What's it going to be? And to have in mind some ideas about what that is. Right. I think that's the only way to really make it work. It's not so much a a handoff. I think a lot of people think that. I think a lot of families yeah. think that. Like, uh, at the end of my schooling, I'm going to turn it over to somebody else who's going to mm -hmm. serve in the exact same role. But the community service systems and agency supports and informal supports that people use in adult life aren't as organized mm -hmm. as, uh, as education. And so you kind of have to know what you're looking for and what you're asking for. Yeah. So you've already targeted some of the weaknesses within our current system. Can you think of other things that make it hard to support a successful transition? The premise of education is that we teach students knowledge and skills Mm -hmm. And then at some point they graduate, and then in their adult life, they've got to generalize those knowledge and skills and then organize them and right. make plans of, of how they're going to use them and then initiate right. uh, those plans and apply their knowledge and skills in a, in a wide variety of different mm -hmm. contexts, different places, for a wide variety of different reasons. Right. And I think when the students have special needs, we tinker some with the knowledge and skills, but we sort of have the same expectations. At the, at the end, yeah. you've got to sort it all out and figure it all out and, and make it work. So we might change what we teach in addition to discrete job skills like computer programming or data entry or repotting plants or hanging up clothes mm -hmm. or whatever skills you might use in a, well, soft skills like how do you talk to a boss and uh, yeah. how do you act in the break room and, mm -hmm. and communication skills and, and things like that. But still there's this sense of, at the end, you've got to take all that mm -hmm. and go sort of sort it all out and build a life yeah. out of it. And I think that that's sometimes an expectation that the uh, students really aren't prepared for. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I feel like where we go wrong is, uh, is not recognizing that the ability to organize, the ability to initiate, the knowledge of uh, community roles, the uh, mm -hmm. knowledge about uh, what out there in the world that you might want to do. Uh, those kinds of things, I think, kind of get left behind, both in terms of teaching it, but also in supporting it. Yeah, I mean, all the things you just mentioned, I think I see those struggles for all kids that are like 19, 20. <laughs> it, 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 yeah, that, that's true. I mean, that's just, uh, that's just part of that coming of, of age yeah. that happens when, when uh, uh, graduation approaches. And I think for... for uh, many of our students, especially those who have problems with their concept development mm -hmm. or a knowledge base, it's a difficult step. Yeah. 
to be yeah. able to, to manage that on their own. Yeah, we do teach a lot of skills sort of as a standalone thing. Like now we're going to have this routine where we're going to teach you how to make something. Right. But um, nothing in life happens like that in a standalone. There's a lot that goes into it. That, that, that's a really good point. The question for a person is, when would I get to do that? Right. Why would I get to do it? Yeah. Uh, how do I make it happen? Mm -hmm. What do I need in order to do that? And, uh, and I think that we need to work with the students on that angle of it mm -hmm. as opposed to just how do you do this particular task. So you mentioned the idea of community engagement. How important is that when they become adults that they already have some concept of their community and, and vice versa? Getting involved in the community really makes life work for us. Uh, it is how we develop social relationships. Mm -hmm. It is how we find avenues to have pursuits that are interesting to us. It's how we feel connected with, with the world around us. Community engagement is uh, extremely important. Yeah. How do you form social relationships? How do you access the community? How do you get from place to place? One of the background information pieces that I think a lot of students miss is social roles and community roles. Mm -hmm. You can have a friendship. You can give somebody a gift. Mm -hmm. Other people give gifts to you, that, that there are events that you go to, but there are also events that you can plan. Students hear about a party and mm -hmm. sometimes find, up that they, find out that they end up at a party, <laughs> but they don't really know like, well, how did this even come about? Yeah. You know, that yeah. it, was, it was just somebody's idea and they did some planning and they did some preparation mm -hmm. and then they invited other people to it. They're, they're sort of left out of that yeah. whole thing. So if they wanted to, to create the situation, they wouldn't have a, a good idea and they're just sort of waiting around like, well, I wonder when that's ever going to happen again. Yeah. And so, and community roles, I mean, just things like that there are classes out there that you can take. Uh -huh. Classes at supermarkets on how to cook mm -hmm. or, you know, actual college credit classes, but also all of the informal mm -hmm. classes that are offered in different settings. A lot of students just don't even know that that's something that happens mm -hmm. or that there are clubs that you can join a club. There's a club for fishing. There's a club for gardening. <laughs> there's a club for singing. Getting out in the community helps give them knowledge, but I think we also have to purposely teach those things mm -hmm. to people. So you uh, did an exercise during your presentation at DeafLine Symposium this year, but can you walk us through that exercise that you did? We kind of go about things uh, backwards when mm -hmm. we do transition plans. We start with certain categories or domains of life mm -hmm. and then we try to plan up to those things. So what's a person going to do for a job? What's a person going to do for recreation? What's a person going to do for social activities, etc.? And I think a lot of times people have a hard time filling in those boxes mm -hmm when they have preconceived notions about what those things are. My view on transition planning is you don't start with the uh, boxes, you don't start yeah. with the domains. What you start with is the person and their interests. Mm -hmm. If a person likes to garden, mm -hmm. to be able to say, okay, if you like to work in the garden, right. how can that be a job? And by job, I mean something you would be hired to do. So you get to talk about all the different places, garden centers and mm -hmm. home improvement stores and landscapers and mm -hmm. uh, all the different places a person could get hired to work in a garden if that's what they like to do. Mm -hmm. And then to say, okay, for gardening, how can that be a business? And I'm right. differentiating that from a job in that's something where you're more self-employed. I mean, it could be something like a a storefront, but that isn't necessarily what I'm talking about. It could be just uh, something that you make and you 
-hmm. you sell on Etsy yeah. or something that you grow and you bring down to the farmer's mm -hmm. market. And so there are different ways that you could make your gardening interest mm -hmm. be a business. And then to ask the next question, how could it be a community service? Is there a way that you could help your friends and neighbors and community by, uh, by doing that? If in your neighborhood there's a, some public space and it's the and it's the uh, green space at the end of the cul-de-sac, right. and, uh, and it's always a little bit weedy, and you say, okay, so for the benefit of my neighbors, I'm gonna go in there and I'm gonna plant some flowers. Mm -hmm. That's a community service. There's many different ways that you can uh, assist your neighbors and your community, and so that's one way you could get to do what you're interested in. Or could it be a subject of study? Are there classes that you could take about gardening? Well, of course there are. Then the next category would be, uh, could it be a hobby or a recreational yeah. activity? Well, obviously, people, sure. lots of people have that as a hobby. Could it be a social activity? Is this something you could do with others? Could right. you join a club? Mm -hmm. Most communities have a garden club. Yeah. And finally, could it just be used in your home and self-care? Yeah, just tending your lawn right. is gardening. <laughs> There's lots of different reasons you could get to garden. I, I feel like that's the way that transition planning makes sense to me, mm -hmm. is not to start with the, the box of a category, but to right. say, so we'll start with an interest and say, in what different ways can you apply it? And mm -hmm. if the student has a number of interests, you can right. fill in all those boxes, but coming at it from that direction. I think that makes a lot of sense. I could see doing this with anything, really. One time I, I did that exercise, and, and uh, I, I started by asking uh, some family members what their uh, son or daughter w was interested in, and, uh -huh. and one person said it was just coffee. I, I can't think of another interest, but he really likes coffee. Yeah. But when we did this exercise, uh, with a group of people, mm -hmm. there were so many different answers to how can coffee be a job yeah. or how can coffee be a, uh, a, a business or how mm -hmm. can coffee be a, a hobby or how can it be a social activity. And there's lots of different things that you could do with coffee and one of them isn't better than the other. Any of those categories all are, are valuable. True. One of the things we hear when we do transition planning is that the student's goals are, are uh, unrealistic. I'm not sure exactly what that, that means. Like if the person wants to uh, drink coffee or mm -hmm. write poetry, that really isn't a job. But the thing is, it's not unrealistic to, to want to, 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 to do it. Yeah. And it's not unrealistic to do it. You've just got to find the right context. That's where this, this whole idea of context come in. What can I do? Where can I do it? Mm -hmm. And why would I do it? Mm -hmm. And there's, there's, a, there's a good answer somewhere for whatever your interest is. I've seen people who have found success or found uh, satisfaction in their life activities in all of those different categories. You know, I know uh, a lady who, um, I've been in this long enough, I, I knew her when she was a student and <laughs> now she's uh, getting on up toward retirement age. And But she worked for over 20 years at a Red Lobster, the, mm -hmm. sort of the, 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 uh, the traditional uh, uh, employment relationship. But uh, it always struck me, I, you know, when I, when I think about uh, a place of business like a restaurant, that, that's, that's, that's the thing people sort of come and go to, but she right. was able to work there for a really long time because she really liked it. Yeah. And she did good work and the, and the people there liked it. And even when management changed, she was a fixture there. And uh, hmm. so there, there are people who have uh, uh, been able to uh, get jobs that they find personally interesting and satisfying and, and been able to stick with them. I've also known some people who've uh, gone the business route. I, I, I know a young man down in Southeast Texas who operates the concession 
mm-hmm. at the county courthouse where he sells coffee and snacks and uh, soft drinks. In many ways, it's like a job, but he has a contract with them, and he has yeah. the he has the business, and he sets his hours, and uh, he uh, uh, gets his merchandise, and he and he earns a profit uh, as a business. I also know people who've started more freelance kinds of business. I know a fellow who enjoyed the act of shredding paper. I don't know why he enjoyed the act of shredding <laughs> paper, but I do know that he did. Yeah. And he started a, a business shredding confidential documents mm-hmm. and got clients from medical offices and law offices, and he would go um, and do it on site for them or he'd mm-hmm. bring it back to his uh, uh, home and uh, uh, shred documents. I know another young man who started a, a business where he uh, uh, owned and uh, uh, owned some vending machines in, in a few different uh, settings. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, there, there there's ways to create a business that works for you. I know a, a young man out in uh, West Texas who really found his calling in doing community service. His grandfather was a volunteer at the Veterans Hospital. This uh, young man started going out there and assisting with that and he helped the uh, patients with recreational activities and also uh, delivered things from office to office and, and different kinds of things as a uh, volunteer work which uh, he found extremely satisfying uh, socially, mm-hmm. and that he, 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 he liked the whole idea. He, he liked the bingo game because he liked the excitement <laughs> of it. He liked the fact that people were uh, glad to get a prize from him. Yeah. So there's cool. lots of different ways you can find joy in life. All of those things, I think, make someone successful. If you have some things that you do over the course of the day and the week and the month mm-hmm. that you find joy in. Yeah, yeah. Do you know an infant or toddler in Texas who may have a vision problem? They may qualify for free services. Support from a teacher of students with visual impairment may increase a child's success in school and life. Call 817-740-7530 to find out more. That's 817-740-7530. I sat down with Gabby Caldwell, a TSBVI student who is deafblind, along with her mom, Robbie. Gabby is already shaping her future. There's nobody better to explain the vision for our students than our students themselves. How old are you, Gabby? I'm 18. 18? 18 years old. Wow, awesome. So are you a day student at TSBVI? Stay at door. Stay in the dorm. Oh, you stay in the dorms. What grade are you in, Gabby? 11. 11th this year. 11th grade. All right, so Gabby, what do you like to do? I like to do with, with my phone, play the, the games, and watch TV. Play games on your phone and watch TV? Yeah. What other things do you like to do, Gabby? What are your passions? What are your interests? I like to play with cats. Oh, cat and? And circus. Circus. And clowns. Clowns. And University of Houston. University of Houston. These are all our favorite things. Why do you like the University of Houston? I like to go to play bowling and to hang out with the stewards. You 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 stewards. Our house in Houston is right by there. Mm. So she goes bowling there, we have ice cream there, and then she hangs out at the student union, they have a Starbucks. 
What do you like to get from Starbucks? I like to drink coffee. I like to get a chocolate milk. Mm-hmm. Coffee and chocolate milk? Coffee and yeah. chocolate milk. Oh, and mix them together and get a mocha? No. <laughs> no? Okay. I like mochas. I like coffee mm -hmm. a lot. She likes coffee a lot. <laughs> So you talked about liking clowns and circuses, and uh, I heard you share earlier, this is something you might want to do for a job someday. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. So why do you think you'd like to be a clown? I like to, because I like to everyone laugh. <laughs> I like to have everyone laugh. Do you tell a lot of jokes? Yeah. Yeah? Yes. Do you know any jokes that you could share with us? Yeah. Yeah, joke. Who's there? Banana. Banana who? You gotta wear banana slippers. <laughs> so our, our knock knock jokes we have not perfected. <laughs> <laughs> wow, well it's a good but, start. But she enjoys them, yeah. so we have a good time. Gabby from before any kind of communication, she has always loved a stage. So I don't, she is a different person on stage or with a microphone. She's a, she is, she's a natural performer, so she hasn't, she's not shy. If you had a job as a clown, what would, where would your favorite place be to perform? Ah, uh, a circus! In the circus? Would, would you want to be in a traveling circus? Yeah. Yeah! We had gave her a birthday party one time, a circus themed birthday party yeah and we had her my her dad and some other guys uh dress up in um like um what do you call it? like a poncho mm -hmm. and uh, and then we had all these pies filled with shaving cream and everyone got to pie face of people yeah <laughs> we'll have to figure out a way to give you an opportunity <laughs> on campus here to pie face somebody because it's my thing being a clown is your thing it's that's your thing. right What about juggling? You said you like juggling too. Yeah. Do you know how to juggle yet? Do you know how to juggle? Yeah. Yes? Because these bars are enough, but I use the pins. Oh, I you're going to use pins? Yeah. <laughs> oh, bowling, bowling pins? pins? <laughs> bowling pins? Yeah. Gabby, can I ask you a question yes. as a follow up? Can you throw up a ball and catch it? Yeah, because it's hard to throw. It's hard to throw it. It's hard to throw up and catch. It is very difficult, right? Yeah, it's very difficult to juggling. It is very difficult for juggling. I agree. Yeah. You'll have to practice, like you said. Yeah. 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 Are you going to any camps this summer? You remember we discussed. Which camps? Do you remember? Texas Camp Junior. Yes, Texas Deafblind Camp Junior. Nice. And, and Camp Summit. And Camp Summit Deafblind Week. I bet you can practice your jokes at <gasps> camp. Yeah. yeah. I do my best with the camp activities. You want to do your best with camp activities? Yes. 
When I first heard David present on this topic, I loved the simplicity in his approach and the way it could be utilized. I hope from this conversation and from Gabby's perspective, you've found a new way to plan or discuss the path for your own child or student. All children have the ability to develop skills, knowledge, and character to lead productive and fulfilling lives. From the TSBVI Outreach Department and A Sense of Texas, I'm Emily Coleman. See you next time. This has been a presentation of the Texas School for the Blind and Visually Impaired Outreach Department. If you have any questions or suggestions for topics to cover in future episodes, please contact us at podcast at tsbvi.edu.